What's up? Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, August 4th, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only in-house union screen printer in Boston, specializing in custom uniforms and business apparel. Follow them on Twitter at Beantown underscore dot. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Beantown Athletics and on Instagram at Beantown Athletics. Swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester or give them a call 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. And make sure you tell them that I sent you. So Mike Giotti from Comcast Sportsnet New England uh, he joined me over the phone this morning. I'll play that conversation for you in just a few minutes. Uh, open it up to show, though, first, uh, my, for the people that make fun of wiffle ball injuries, you can't, you can't really make fun of this one that we could be looking at right now, that I could be possibly looking at across the desk from me, my producer, Pete Needham, who has an ice pack on a chair, who has rolled the chair over to his leg, who yesterday during the show had his leg up on the chair the whole time. Had X- You had x-rays, Pete, yesterday? Yeah, we had some good news from the x-rays, though. Oh, you did have good yeah. news. Yeah, said, you didn't tell me that. Wow, yeah. I didn't know this. But what I was do, the good news? The good news was that there was no bone damage. Okay, yeah. as expected the good news as to expected. be. But... I do have to get an MRI. You have to get an MRI. And that's where the real information will come out. That's so, the dang that's yeah. the dangerous yeah. test. But we did some uh physical tests and he said that by the looks of it it doesn't look like any ACL, MCL tears, so Really? That's looking on the Did up. you ask, now when he said that, did you ask him like if how he many times right? he's been right with that type of diagnosis based on just he's looking a, at it? Uh I didn't. I didn't question him. Oh, I would have yeah. I would have been questioning. Yeah, no. I'm uh I'm just looking forward to getting the MRI over with and Hopefully and being in the clear because we got a big tournament coming up at the end of the month. You do, yeah. I don't. Yeah, West Roxbury one. Yeah, I won't be playing August twenty third. You know, the last time I played in a wiffle ball tournament in West Roxbury, we were just absolutely crushing teams, and we were beating teams by slaughter rule. And there were like four fields going on at once, and we went to we were so we won we we won like four straight games. We were locked into the championship game. We were letting the losers bracket play out. There were probably like four teams left. We went to get something to eat. We came back a half hour later. The tournament was no longer going on, and we're like, what's, go- what's happening? They say, oh, well, we're going to split the money with the, four- the team's four ways. We're like, wait a minute, why? They said, well, because there was a big fight. And we go, there's no cops around, and we're going, wait a minute, what do you mean a big fight? All right, the fight's over. It doesn't look like it's happening anymore. Did they finish the game? Are you going to finish the loser's bracket? They say, no, the fight was, you know, we just don't want to deal with it. And we're going... These motherfuckers, when we were gone, they teamed up together and they said, hey, guys, this team is going to win it all. So here's what we'll do. We'll make up a story about a fight and we'll split the money four ways. So basically, we just got our money back and we probably should have won a couple hundred bucks each. That's the last time I played in a wiffle ball tournament in Westie and it will mock the the last time I will ever play in a wiffle ball tournament. What tournament doesn't have a fight in it? I know, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a fight in every tournament. It's supposed to happen. Like, it's just it's part of tournaments. It. Yeah. There's always going to be something, whether it's on the field, away from the field, kids drinking, doing something. Something's always going to happen. They canceled the tournament, but I think they lied. I don't think they wanted to give us the money. They knew we were going to win. We were rolling through the tourney like you, you wouldn't believe. Like we did this like past we weekend. Like we did this past weekend yeah. uh, at the Dorchester Wiffle Ball Classic. But, but Pete is injured. I, I, you know, Pete, when people... 
people joke about, oh, you, you, how you, how'd you hurt yourself? A wiffle ball? I mean, you, I can't tell you the, the numbers. Every time I play in a wiffle ball tournament, I am in pain afterwards. And I know it's, like, tough for people to, to understand, but think about it. I mean, if you end up going deep into it and, and you're playing so many games, especially if you're pitching, I mean, your arm, you, you, can't, you shouldn't be throwing a wiffle ball that hard for that long or that many pitches. Right, it's like, it's like. So thank God, no neither neither it. of us were pitching. Thank God. No, we weren't pitching. But still, when you're swinging, <laughs> when hitting jacks you know, you like can, we were, you can yeah. feel it. You know, you saw the next day. And you were the and, Bash and people, Brothers. You people, know? people roll their eyes, but you actually did, had the knee injury, and a, you were just walking to the plate. You didn't even. It wasn't <laughs> even like a swing, and that was I just didn't like. Didn't even do anything. No, you and you finished. Uh, Pete, you you're up. Through it. All right. Ah, oh, I just busted. Yeah, you did, and you played through it. Yeah. So, and we won. So it's good. We're still we're we're still celebrating a wiffle ball championship <laughs> days later. But uh, so we'll move on from wiffle ball. I wish we could move on from Deflategate like we just moved on from wiffle ball. But that's something we just cannot do. I said this last night on Weei. I would legitimately pay money, a lot of money, for Deflategate to go away and for the Red Sox to be relevant again, right in a playoff race in August. Because this is now the second straight year that the Red Sox are down and they are out and there's nothing we can do. All we can do is sit here and watch this team suck. Now they're in the Bronx tonight. Usually you go to Yankee Stadium in August. The Red Sox, Yankees, this should be a huge series. The only thing that I'm really paying attention to is going to be Henry Owens tonight against the Yankees. That's it. That's the only thing I'm really going to be paying attention to. And if you've listened to me, you know how I feel. You have a luxury here. You can start Henry Owens whenever and wherever you want and give him his Major League debut whenever and wherever you want. You don't have to give it tonight, but you're going to do it. I disagree with that. I don't think this is the time or the place to do it. Yankee Stadium being the place and the time being August in which the Yankees are in first place and, and they're still trying to win a division. You're throwing him up against Tanaka. Now, maybe Henry Owens goes out and he dominates. And I'll be the first person to sit here and praise him. But still, I just I just don't. When you can pick and choose, right? When you can sit there and say, we have Henry Owens. We're going to bring him up. The season's over. And we're going we're gonna to throw him into a couple starts to see what he's got. I just I don't understand why the first one would be this one tonight. I don't. So, uh, I'll watch it. I'll pay attention to it, and uh, whatever happens to Henry Owens tonight in the Bronx, I will react to it on tomorrow's show. Um, and and as always, you know. But I again, I would I would pay money to get rid of the Flake Eight and to have because it just. I mean, I'm driving in today and I'm listening to sports radio, and people are still giving their theories as to what happened in the AFC Championship game. Enough, it's over. But it's not at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, I, I say it's over. I'm done with it. But at the same time, we can't be done with it when every day we wake up and there's a new story. And the story today is that both Tom Brady and Roger Goodell, they will be present at the August 12th settlement hearing in Manhattan, in a Manhattan federal court, which will be the day, it'll be the day before the Patriots' first preseason game. So it'll be the day of the walkthrough, right? Right, the day of the walkthrough for the Patriots because the Patriots' first preseason game uh, is on the 13th, Thursday, August 13th. And this hearing is Wednesday, August 12th. So Brady will be in New York. 
He'll be at this hearing. Roger Goodell will be in New York. He'll be at this hearing. I don't expect it to end then. I expect it to go to the hearing again, the settlement hearing on August 19th. And at that point in time, the Patriots will be in West Virginia for joint practices with the Saints. And, uh, you know, you wonder, would Brady be at the hearing for that? Or would he say, I'm only doing one. I'm going to let my team handle this second one. Enough is enough. I have a practice with my team to get ready for a season. I expect Brady, he's, they're going to go this far, they're going to go into it. I expect him to, I expect him to be there on August 19th. I, when I say there, I mean in the settlement hearing. Again, I do. You know, just to get this over with. But even then, I think we're all assuming that this is going to end with this settlement hearing. And I'm just not so sure it is. I'm not so sure it is. So we have that. We have the Chris Monson thing. He says he doesn't know how to delete a tweet. I mean, you know, I wish he would go away. I wish Deflategate as a whole would just go the fuck away. I really do. And, and it won't. And, and I just, I, I, I want to see this done by August 19th, August 20th. But that would just be, that would just make sense for it to go away. For them to come up with, an, to come to an agreement before the season begins. But common sense has not prevailed, so I don't expect it to right now. And training camp continues. The Patriots said yesterday off. They get back to work today uh, on this Tuesday at Gillette Stadium. Uh, and, it, you know, I will pay attention to Major League Baseball and the postseason storylines. And last night there was some news. Adrian Beltre hits for the cycle for the third time in his career. David Price yesterday made his Blue Jays debut, and he dominated. Yoannis Cespedes drove in four runs last night for the Mets in a big win. And if you're looking at that, and at least the Nationals lost last night as the Mets rolled to a 12-1 win over the Marlins, which means the Mets are now in Seoul. They are in first place. They're the only team in first place. The, the Nationals are one game behind them. So we'll keep an eye on the playoff race uh, throughout Major League Baseball and the Yankees tonight who host the Red Sox. Yankees are still playing to try and get this division on lockdown. They're only five and a half games ahead of the Orioles and five and a half games ahead of the Blue Jays. Well, if you want to give the Rays a, a, a glimmer of hope, you could say the Rays are a seven and a half games behind the Yankees, but I'm just going to focus on Baltimore and Toronto. Uh, but if you're a Blue Jays fan, I mean, you've got to be excited about what's going on. I tell you what, as a baseball fan, I'm excited What's going on in Toronto? And David Price dazzled yesterday. Absolutely dazzled. And uh, I expect the Blue Jays. Look, you look at the AL Wild card now. I expect the Blue Jays to be in whether it's the one-game playoff or even surpass the one-game playoff, win that, and get into a playoff series in a divisional series. I expect the Blue Jays to be there, right? But right now you got the Angels, the Twins, the Orioles, and the Blue Jays all locked up into this wild card spot. So, really, if the playoffs began today, you would get, what would you get here? You'd get the Orioles playing the Blue Jays in a playoff to see who plays the Twins in a playoff, to see who plays the Angels. Now, I don't think it's going to end like that, uh, but the Angels right now are the team that's two games ahead of the other team's for the top wild card spot, the Twins, the Orioles, and the Blue Jays tied for the final wild card spot. Rays two behind, Rangers two behind. As I mentioned, the Texas Rangers with a 12 to nine win over Houston last night. Adrian Beltran again hit for the cycle, the third time in his career, and he keeps doing it. Um, you know, and and it's it's not an easy thing to accomplish, as we know. Uh, but he, you know, he loves he loves doing it in Texas, and I know he 
plays in Texas, but the first time he did it when he was at the Mariners, he also did it in Texas, right? So there's an interesting uh, stat for you of the day, but that's when we stand in Major League Baseball, and once again, bringing it back locally, Henry Owens is on the mound in the Bronx tonight. Also tonight, I am on TV, Comcast, Sportsnet, New England. Make sure you check that out. We go live at 10 o'clock, and then it continues to play over and over again throughout the night into the morning, probably tomorrow. And, uh, you know, as we hopefully – I can only imagine what we're going to talk about tonight. Probably talk about Henry Owens' start in the Bronx. We'll probably get to some Deflategate stuff because it's just the way this thing works, right? That's that's what we do. We talk Deflategate all day, every day. And, I, you know, that's probably pretty much it. Deflategate and Henry Owens' start. Because what else are you going to do, right? Uh, and, you know, the top story will probably be Deflategate. But as I mentioned, I would give a whole lot of money for it to be the other way around. There is another Red Sox storyline that might get a little buried because of all this Deflategate stuff and because of Henry Owens' start tonight, and that would be that Brian Johnson, one of the Red Sox top prospects, left-handed pitcher, he he made his major league debut in Houston uh, a couple weeks ago, and he is going to the DL with elbow tightness. That is, it's not good news. You know, the biggest the fear there is when you hear. Elbow tightness with Brian Johnson? You think, wow, what's the next story? What's the next bit of news with Brian Johnson? We talking Tommy John? Is that what it's going to be? You know how I feel about Tommy John. You know how baseball feels about Tommy John. The players, the execs, the organizations. Is that Tommy John is not a career-ending surgery or injury. In fact, we've come to the point now here in 2015 where it's almost like, hey, just go get the surgery and get it over with. And you'll come back and your fastball, you'll throw it a little bit faster. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's now a, it's not a career ender. It's a let's get it over with type surgery. Let's get it out of the way. I don't know if that's the next step for Brian Johnson. But if it is, you know, the, the glass half full tells me that, okay, you have this surgery. You get it out of the way. Maybe Brian Johnson comes back and his fastball is a little better than what we saw when he did pitch. Uh, in Houston a couple weeks ago, which, again, was concerning to me that Brian Johnson, sure, he's got a nasty curveball, but his fastball is only averaging 88, 89 miles per hour. A couple times kicked it up to 91, 92, but for the most part, 88, 89. As nasty as your curveball is, I'd like to see that velocity up a little bit. Perhaps Tommy John would get that to go up. But that's just me trying to look at that thing uh, glass half full. Now, if you're also thinking like I'm thinking, which is the Red Sox need to make a major move this winter. And you need to package, you need to give up something to get something in order to get a stud starting pitcher, right? If a team wanted to give me that proven stud starting pitcher and they said, we want Brian Johnson as part of a package, I'm not going to make Brian Johnson untouchable. And the Red Sox shouldn't. But now if he does, if this story does end up going the route of Tommy John and you're out for an extended period of time, the trade value is going to diminish. It will. I mean, that's just part of the leverage game. Hey, we're not going to give, you know, you're going to have to give up more than just that. This guy's going to be out for a long time and we don't know how he's going to bounce back. Even though they probably do know how he's going to bounce back, which will be pretty good. 
but that's just something that they can use to, another team can use to their advantage in a potential trade to squeeze a little bit more out of the Red Sox. That's not good for the Red Sox if that is going to be the route that they take, which is the route I think they should take this winter. So the Brian Johnson story, we'll see what happens next. But Alex Spirit of Austin Globe reporting that uh, Brian Johnson headed to the DL with elbow tightness, but all eyes in Red Sox Nation will be on Henry Owens tonight, and whatever he does, I will certainly break that down on tomorrow's podcast here five days a week, dannypicard.com. You also get the show on iTunes. Uh, I can't wait to just talk strictly football. I think right now in the early happenings of training camp, even if there was no deflate gate, I look at the I look at this early in training camp to me is a tease to the regular season. It's a tease to the last you know, the last preseason game. I, I, I can't wait till they cut the rosters down. Then we start looking at the real battles. But uh, I, I closed out my conversation with Mike Giotti today, talking a little real football. But, of course, we had to do most of it about the Flakegate because that is the top story. Look, I'm upset with it. You're upset with it. We can't wait till it goes away, but it's not going away yet. So we still have to talk about it. And that's why when Mike Giotti joined me over the phone this morning, we opened with the Flakegate, but we did finish with some actual football thoughts on Patriots training camp. Uh, so here you go. Here's the conversation with Mike Giotti. Stick around afterwards. I got a couple thoughts that have to do with, yes, WWE and also, also a little PGA tour. Yes, a little golf story for you that you may be interested in if you're paying any attention uh, to the PGA Championship that's going to be next week. So WWE, so pro wrestling and golf, a couple thoughts to close out the show on that. Uh, stick around after this. All right, joining me over the phone right now is Mike Giotti from Comcast Sportsnet New England. Uh, Mike, good morning. How you doing today? I am well, Danny. What's going on? Not much. So we're looking at this August 12th uh, settlement hearing in New York City. I guess yeah, I'll get I'll try to get into some of the details in in just a moment. But first, you know, we we're also reading in these reports that the judge is encouraging both sides to continue discussions on some type of deal. Do you expect anything, the possibility of any deal to be done before we reach the August twelfth hearing, or are we definitely go into this uh, hearing on August twelfth? You know, at this point, the way it's all played out, I, I would think it would continue to uh, continue to drag because I feel like there's still um, some reluctance on both sides to uh, come to a deal, even though, as you, as you mentioned, the judge really wants this to happen. The judge does not want this to get uh, in front of him for a federal hearing and all, and all the stuff that goes there. They, they tend not to want to touch these arbitration hearings as well. But they've both been stubborn. They've both sort of uh, dug their heels in, backed themselves into a corner, whatever you want to go with. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Unless Brady is willing to acquiesce, I have a feeling it's going to drag out a little bit longer. Brady will be there, and now we're hearing today that Goodell will be there on August 12th in Manhattan Federal Court. Um, Is this, because we're hearing this is open to the public, right? I guess I'm trying to wrap my brain around and even do some research, and I can't really find anything. Like, what is open to the public for this specific type of hearing? What does that mean? I mean... Media, I, I mean, are you going to be down there, Mike? Uh, are there going to be cameras allowed, audio, live audio? What is this going to be like? What is this scene going to be like on August 12th? Yeah, I don't know if cameras would be allowed in the courtroom, but I could absolutely, I believe, that, that media will be allowed to attend. Um, 
In fact, I, I know we've already had some preliminary discussions about how we're going to handle that. So I guess, once again, if you look at people want the record sealed, and maybe this is another way of the judge saying, um, we're, we're not, I'm, not, I'm not going there. Mm. <laughs> you guys want to put this out there, then it's going to be out there, and you know, we'll let people make their judgments based on what they hear in court because obviously with the rhetoric that's gone back and forth and the, continually the story has been framed largely against Brady. So it's, they've always been on a PR reaction instead of been, been able to be at the front of this thing because the NFL has held all the little, you know, little cards and, and had uh, everybody waiting on their word. Um, maybe this is a way to, again, almost, I don't want to say shame them, but to the, the effect of let's get, let's you know, put it out there or, why don't you guys figure it out in the room, get it done, so we don't get to this point. Uh, then we have August 19th. Now, the interesting thing about August 19th, if it does get to that point as well, which I think it will, uh, the Patriots will be in what, West Virginia for joint practices with the Saints? And yep. I, I mean, look, Brady's going to be, I assume he's going to be missing the walkthrough for the first preseason game, which I don't think is, it, It's that's on August 12th. I don't think that's a big deal, but August 19th, I think, is a, is a little bigger deal given the fact that it's actually, you know, team practices against another team you'd be missing. If it gets to August 19th, which, again, I think it will, are you expecting Brady to also be at that one as well, given the fact that they'd be the team would be practicing in West Virginia? I would think so. Um, just because, again, I think it's a matter of you're, you want to be face-to-face. You're the primary guy in this thing. I, I don't know how you – you would avoid uh, going to that, and this is where the whole distraction thing comes in because we spent a lot of time about all oh, the Patriots are masters of handling distractions. Look at their past history, but this one is different. Um, this one is different because it's your quarterback. Because uncertainty now lingers into the season. You know, here we are in the preseason. I was making the point the other day that I thought. Saturday was sort of a flat practice, despite being in full pads and despite having contact. And then Sunday sort of was the same thing. And then late in the practice, in a goal line drill, that's when I finally saw some emotion, some yapping back and forth, and Brady was in the center of that. And I I thought to myself, he's usually that way from the beginning. Mm. You know, he's usually on on Thursday, the first day uh, of training camp, even though they're in helmets and and T-shirts and shorts, that he's exhorting guys and he's yapping and he's having a good old time. And I hadn't seen any sort of emotion from him to that point up until that point on Sunday. And I, you know, they can say all they want about, uh, we're, you know, we've moved on and then, you know, Tom's business and uh, we don't worry about Tom and Tom will be focused. And look, his performance has been like it normally is in training camp. He looks good. He looks really good, but there is that sort of element to it. Guys are still being asked questions about it. Now if you're going to miss a joint practice session with the Saints and Belichick is lo- loves these things mm-hmm. and, and in many ways believes that they're more important than the actual preseason game itself, they emptied the tank against the Redskins last year on the couple days that they practiced together such that when they got to the game, it didn't really matter. We don't really even need to play our guys because we did what we needed to do over two days for two and a half hours each day in nasty heat competitive settings so for him to miss that that would be a big deal yeah I mean I expect him to be there too uh, there's always the possibility of him saying you know what I'm, I, I did the first settlement hearing we got out of the way what we wanted to say 
And uh, now it's time for the joint practices, and, and maybe he'd let his representatives handle that, let the NFLPA, who knows, let his people, let his team handle that one. But but like you, I agree. I expect him there if it gets to August 19th, and I think we'll be there as well. I, but when we hear these settlement uh, conferences or hearings, you know, I think people assume that, okay, this is it. You know, this is going to end. We're going to get an, a result to this before the season begins. And, and I guess... That would be common sense, Mike. So we haven't used nobody has used common sense since the AFC Championship game un, uh, until now. I don't know that I should expect common sense to prevail all of a sudden. So there, there's part of me that looks at this and says, "Sure, we'd like to see these settlement hearings and think that this is going to be an end result of this whole Deflate Gate saga." But there's another part of me that says, "You know what? Probably not." Do Do you think this will be the end of it, or, or do you think this will linger somehow into the season? Well, this judge is clearly a hard ass. So that, I think, for those who want this thing to be over with, um, the amount of pressure that he's putting on both sides is beneficial on that front. Mm -hmm. But I'm with you in the sense that this has all played out so badly and has dragged on for so long, and both sides have been so stubborn, and the leaks primarily coming, obviously, from the National Football League um, has tarnished Brady's reputation. Um, I, I don't, it's almost like if they settle, then who, who necessarily wins? I mean, if, if even if he takes reduced penalty, cause I don't, I, the, I mean, I don't believe that the thing is going to get wiped out completely. Um, you know, the people that have already decided that Brady is guilty, well, they're going to say, see, now that's an admission of guilt. The NFL, what, in, to my opinion, the way they look at it is, why do we want to settle? Why, why, I, you know, let's take this thing. If they really are confident in their case, and, you know, that's what they were leaking to the media after Brady and, and Kraft and all those people made their statements post-upholding of the, of the four-game suspension, um, you know, hey, bring it on. Mm-hmm. You know, we're ready for them. Um, whether that's just rhetoric and nonsense and noise and trying to convince them to, to turtle and, and take a settlement, I, I don't know. But it just seems like with the NFL – Nothing they do at this point would surprise me, and if they dragged it on into the season, I, I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me. I mean, if they, if that September fourth date, which has been thrown around, if we're still as of September fourth, still trying to figure out whether or not Brady's going to be suspended or going to be able to play that that opener against Pittsburgh, I mean, I, I fully would. I wouldn't surprise me at all if that's the case. If we're sitting there on September fourth, going, we're waiting for an answer. We still don't know yet. And and you mentioned, you know, leaks in the league, and, and it brings everybody back to the original report. And, you know, in the last couple of days, Chris Mortensen, the guy who, who reported that original report, uh, he's been in the news, and uh, he actually talked yesterday. And, and the one thing that he said that, that I'm scratching my head over is that he doesn't know how to delete a tweet. Uh, Mike, you know how to delete a tweet, right? Yeah, it's not very hard. <laughs> So what? I mean, he's either a Mortensen's either a bold-faced liar, and I said this last night in EEI. He's either a bold-faced liar, or he is the dumbest person in America. I mean, I try to explain to some people just how important Twitter is to reporters. I mean, you're in the room all the time for all these sports. You know, Mike, that the really the first thing in reporting is Twitter these days. And Mortensen is a guy who's tweeted a whole lot. So if this guy doesn't know how to delete a tweet, he's either lying or he is not very bright. I'm, I'm going to give him some credit, and I'm going to say that he's lying on this one. Yeah, I looked. I thought he handled that interview. I mean, first of all, 
non-hostile environment, couldn't ask for a softer landing. Uh, he knows that this has been an issue in New England primarily, but elsewhere as well, the report and how, how completely wrong it was and how that was the jumping off point. Kraft comes out and basically signals at that report when he makes his statement to start camp yeah. um, as, you know, no one's, no one's removed it. It's still there. Um, with regards to tweets, even if he didn't know how to delete the tweet, which, again, I think is completely a lie, um, it works with Adam Schefter, right? Yeah. Schefter's, Schefter's pretty good at this Twitter thing, right? Hey, you know, maybe you ought to delete that tweet, the one that had the bad information in it. Like, and this is how you do it? Or any of the 10,000 people that work in the Bristol campus that are technologically savvy would say, hey, dude, you probably maybe ought to think about deleting that, and this is, this is how you do it. I mean, it's, that, that was so absurd, and I just thought his – to me, he didn't even sound prepared for, for the interview, and it was a lot of um, subterfuge and a lot of uh, – I mean, he, was, he confused himself, me so much that he almost tried to, like, confuse the point. Like, mm. it, the, the whole thing was, was very just – it was unseemly. It was bad. It, it was a bad look. Um, you know, even when him, him talking about, well, I, I, you know, I changed the wording in, in the story uh, – yeah, well, that's great, but um, that didn't do anything to stem the tide from what was originally created by the bad info that you got from people who clearly had an axe to grind uh, and wanted to make this a bigger deal than it was right from the start. Yeah, and look, I mean, uh, from the get-go when people crushed Mortensen, I sat there and said, well, look, this guy's been around a while. I'm going to assume that he got this... Uh, he's got some pretty good sources, you know, leaked sources that are telling him this stuff. And, you know, he's being reported w- what he's told. And, and, you know, I don't know how much of a problem I had with, with, with Monson at the time. I had more of a problem with the league. But now that he's had so much time to, like we said, delete the tweet, it, sound, it sounds like Monson works for not for ESPN, but for the NFL, Mike. I mean, that's what it sounds. I mean, it almost sounds that way when you hear, when you hear him talk about this story. And that's why this whole thing is so disturbing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you that, that initially the, there was outrage, or as the, as the story sort of played out, there was outrage at Mortensen. And look, you're, you have sources. Uh, I'm sure that these were people that he had dealt with in the past. That, And, you know, he multiple sourced, and he wanted to remind everybody it wasn't just one person. Yeah. So all the people that are zeroing in on Kensel and Kensel being outed, he keeps saying it's more than one person, that these are people he trusted and these are people that have given him good information in the past and haven't burned him. But he got burned on this one. And to remain silent, and then when you finally talk about it, to talk about it in the manner in which he did and really shed no light on anything, um, is that's where then you say, well, wh- wh- what are you doing? Who, who, what master are you trying to serve here? I mean, look, there's no reporter on the planet that bats a thousand. It just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You, th- invariably somebody gives you information somewhere along the line that is not, you know, it, it turns out not to be true or, or it turns out to be only partially true. So you only get half the story right, not the full story right. And, and even that comes at times from sources that you trust and have never burned you in the past. But every once in a while that does happen. So it happens, but then when it happens, you've got to own it. And if you think that you've been shamed, uh, I bring the Schefter into this thing because I think, Schefter, for instance, in the reporting of the actual hearing in June, 
you know, reported that there was a four-hour time limit for Brady's people, which, of course, set everybody off. Are you kidding me? They did, you know, they spent four months on the Wells Report, 242 pages, and you're only going to give Brady four hours? Five, I guess, was the, the caveat. If, if they follow the letter of the law, that, that seems absurd. So the NFL immediately puts out a tweet that says, that's false. That's not true. And then Schefter, bam, I got the letter. I got a picture of the letter. Here's the letter. See that part right there? That's what it says. This is to both sides. They get four hours. So Schefter was being, someone was trying to play Schefter, and Schefter's like, no, 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 I have the smoking gun. It's the letter. Screw you. He fought back for himself. Mortensen didn't, didn't do anything, hasn't done anything. <laughs> still waiting for him yeah, to do something. Still. Uh, and, and, Mike, well, a, a report that came out the last couple of days that, you know, we can't sit here and, and argue about because it's actually coming from the mouth of an NFL official is that, uh, you know, and the officials, you know, they talk at training camp and they visit the teams and they talk to the players and the teams about the new rules and the upcoming season. And, uh, you know, we get this we, we get this uh, story that comes out that in which an official tells us, a veteran official that tells us all NFL footballs have some type of leakage out of the package sometimes and you don't even know till after games. Isn't this the type of story that we probably should have heard about, I don't know, five months ago? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and again, it just, it's another example of go back to Brady. I think it was earlier in the year last year, joking about when Gronk spikes the football. Yeah, I like when Gronk spikes the football because it tends to make him softer. Mm -hmm. So a guy can spike the football with some force there. And how many times does the football get hit with force? A punt, ball hits the turf, uh, a linebacker puts his hat on 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 the football trying to make a tackle. Um, there are all kinds of instances where the football takes a bit of a beating. Yeah. So you're so you're telling me not only can that make a ball softer, but now you're telling me that logically, because it has a valve and a bladder, the football sometimes it doesn't it doesn't hold air. Sometimes there there are there are problems with the football. So it's just another example of how faulty their science was and the and the the sting operation and not necessarily having all the facts or not presenting all the facts to to the public and you know what the patriots i mean the the patriots i mean as you as you well saw with those emails they released Mm. you know four or five weeks after the fact this this is all wrong you why are you guys framing it this way this is none of this stuff is accurate change it And, and they didn't even bother to change it and and you know what they're doing though they're covering their ass the, of course. The, because because now they have instituted these new rules in which they have to document the PSI of the footballs before the games, right? And they're going to have random testing at halftime and, and postgame. And you know what's going to happen, Mike? After the end of the, the regular season with this new rule, they have to document the PSI and they have to check on them. They're going to have numbers for PSIs and footballs that are all over the place. And they're going to have numbers that are under 12 and a half. They're going to have numbers that might be over 13 and a half. And what are they going to do? Run investigations? like they're doing now into every team. So, no, they're going to let us know now that, hey, actually this stuff does happen to the football. And basically they're admitting that previously they didn't care about the PSI in the football. And they're also admitting that things can happen to the football. So that they are with, when they come out and they say this stuff now, they're covering their ass because the numbers of PSI in the football next season, this coming season, they're going to be all over the place, Mike. Yeah. There's there's absolutely no no doubt about that. And again, when we when, when this whole story started, I kept making the point that this was a rule that's been in place 
for years that they didn't care about. They let the quarterback have the football during the week because they want the quarterback throwing for 350 and five touchdowns because that's the way they want this league to be. It's about the fantasy football. It's about the numbers. It's about getting more eyes. It's about offense. It's about excitement. And that's the way they believe you generate it. So, look, I'm not absolving the Patriots of any wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. McNally taking the balls, disappearing in the bathroom, lying about it, then lying about using a urinal that wasn't even in that bathroom. That's fishy. There's, there's no question that's fishy. But the overall big picture is they never gave a crap about it. And if they really cared about the integrity of the game, that never mind actually having the actual numbers for the footballs and the PSIs charted in course forever and a day. No, they, they didn't do that. They react late to that. But if they really felt like, the, here the, we got the warnings. People say you're doctoring footballs. If you cared about the integrity of the game, you wouldn't have waited until the game itself to play out and then test the football and then lose your mind. You would have said on the day before the game, you would have called the Patriots and you said, listen, we are eyeballing these footballs like crazy. We've had reports that you guys are messing with them. Don't even think about doing it. If you do it, we're going to drop the hammer. Mm-hmm. They never made that phone call. So when they say it wasn't a sting, that's BS. And then when you get to this point, integrity of the game, you know, you really didn't care about it. You cared more about trying to catch the Patriots doing something improper, what you view as improper, and then not having the necessary information to back that up. That, that's where we are, why we are where we are, because of that decision right there. And, that, and again, I think that, that's indefensible. Mm, and now both sides pounding their chests, and we're going to have uh, the settlement here and at least the first one on August 12th in Manhattan. And, Mike, before I let you go, I, training camp has obviously begun, and I know at least I haven't talked much actual football on the show because every day we have a new Deflategate story to talk about, which is driving me crazy, and I can't wait till it's over. But uh, mm-hmm. non-Deflategate related, you're down at Gillette Stadium, and the Patriots did not practice yesterday. They're back to work this afternoon. What is the one thing on this Patriots team, the, the biggest thing that has jumped out to you? Is it... Is it maybe the reps that Garoppolo is getting? Is it maybe this new secondary that we're seeing on the defense? What is the one thing, the biggest thing that's jumped out to you on the field that is non-deflategate related? Malcolm Butler. I mean, just uh, look, we, we saw his competitiveness. We saw him flash talent last year all throughout training camp uh, where he was, even when he was giving up catches, he was, was in somebody's back pocket. Then you saw it at various points during the course of the season, certainly in the second half of the Super Bowl. Um, you wondered how all that fame <laughs> would affect him. And obviously we had the six days where he missed in the OTAs, whether he was suspended or not. And that's something that the PA is, is still uh, requesting counsel on. Mm-hmm. Um, but that may have played in the Patriots' advantage because this kid is super focused. He looks so smooth. Um, he's been one of the few guys I thought here during the first four days of practice that has shown that emotion. He's been yapping at Edelman quite a bit, and I think it's been a great battle, but he's just been, he's by far and away been their best cornerback, and I thought he had great days on Saturday and Sunday. And even in talking to him now, last year he was shy, and look, I know you're a rookie, and they don't want you to talk, and you know, you button down a little bit, but there is a confidence that's coming from him when he talks to us as well, and I think it all plays hand-in-hand. Hand. This guy 
I think he sees what's there for him. I think he's put in the work necessary to get there. And thus far, I just, I just love everything about what he's doing out there. And, you know, obviously when you lose Revis and Browner and you let Arrington go and Dennard is gone as well, there's so many questions. Um, I don't know if he can be the alpha dog, but he's certainly gotten off to the kind of start that makes you believe there's an opportunity for him to be the alpha dog in the secondary. So no, so so opportunity. So he's the guy. Week one, he'll be covering the other team's top dog wide receiver, right? I mean, it's is that we're looking at Antonio Brown. Matt- I, 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 yeah, I think that depends because I, you know, look, I think what they did in the off season was acquire some guys that maybe fit more of a zone concept than a man-to-man concept. Yep. But he certainly is someone who has shown who showed last year he could play man. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how that's going to play out. I think they have to let the, you, have, you have to figure out how the other pieces fall into place. Is McLean the slot guy? Who's the number two corner? Because that, is, to me, is a huge question mark right now. Fletcher has looked okay. Logan Ryan, okay. Terrell Brown had a real nice day on Sunday, but he just kind of got here. So, you know, maybe he's that guy that's certainly paying him money to make the team. But I think you have to answer the question of who's two and who's three before you kind of decide how you're going to play, what's your overriding philosophy going to be in the secondary. Because right now I, I don't know if they necessarily have the guys to play that lockdown press man that we saw last year over and over again. I'm not sure they had that personnel, but Butler certainly would fit in that role, and he fit in zone as well. All right, Mike. Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, great stuff as always. And um, as as I know, you probably hope this as well. I can't wait to actually just get you on to talk about strictly football and no more Deflategate. But uh, it might not be till September. Right? <laughs> yeah, but it's gonna be. A, you know what? That's gonna be a glorious day when it finally happens. Uh, it, just in terms of when we finally can move and turn the page and just talk X's and O's. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Mike. Thanks, Dan. All right, there you have it. Mike Giotti, Comcast Sportsnet New England. Great stuff as always. And as I mentioned to him and as he mentioned to me, can't wait to just talk about strictly football and no longer the air pressure in a football, which ultimately this all comes back to. The air pressure in a football. Wrapping up the show here on this Tuesday morning. Uh, as I mentioned a couple of stories, WWE, first and foremost, before I went into WEI last night to uh, do my show from 10 to midnight, I, ha- I I was able to watch the beginning of Monday Night Raw. And, of course, as we know, and as I talked about on yesterday's podcast, over the weekend we got some bad news here in the wrestling world that is Rowdy Roddy Piper passed away uh, way too young and just, if if you know anything about the WWE, or if you want to go old school and when Rowdy was in it, call it the WWF, you know that, that they will give a tribute unlike any other. The WWE, if they know how to do anything, it's they know how to give a tribute to someone. And they did a tremendous job last night to open up Monday Night Raw with a Rowdy Rowdy Piper tribute. You know, they, they ring the bell ten times. Uh, they, they have his face up on the, the Jumbotron, and then they play a video with a song, and it gives you all the highlights, and uh, it was an emotional moment. Uh, Rowdy, as I mentioned, was, if not, you know, he's one of the best on the mic, if not the best of all time on the microphone, and in order to be great in that industry, 
You bet your ass you need to be great on that mic, and certainly Rowdy Roddy Piper was. He passed away uh, way too young, and but they did a tremendous job on the Rowdy Roddy Piper tribute last night, and, and if you were paying attention to it, you did notice. They did show Hulk Hogan a couple times. Now, they have completely deleted Hulk Hogan from the website. They've erased him from the Hall of Fame because of his racist tirade that he had that has leaked that we think will come out in full uh, in the next year. WWE heard about it. They completely cut ties with Hulk Hogan. You know, uh, Hogan, the things that he said were disgusting. It can't, it, those things cannot be said. And I, he forced the WWE's hand. But, you, you know, you look back at a guy's career like Rowdy Roddy Piper, and, and in the early days, the early WrestleManias, Hulk Hogan was a part of, major part of that, was a major part of Piper's storyline. And so you, I was wondering going in, well, are they going to even show any of that? Now, they obviously didn't show any video. They showed, I think, twice. They showed two pictures that had Hogan in it, and that was it. Um, but clearly, you know, in the early WrestleMania days, you know, the Piper's storylines absolutely included Hulk Hogan. But, you know, so I was wondering if they were just going to completely erase Hulk Hogan at all. They, they didn't erase him altogether. They certainly didn't show him as much as they probably would have, definitely would have, if Hulk Hogan didn't say those things, and they didn't completely cut ties with him. But uh, they did. I did see two pictures that Hulk Hogan was in, and it made me think. And I said this the day after, you know, a couple days after the Hogan stuff came out, and they erased them from everything, from the Hall of Fame and from their website. Is that how are they going? How is the WWE? How are they going to act when Hogan dies? And, and I'm not trying to look ahead to when somebody dies. You don't want that day to happen, obviously, but. It just, it makes you wonder, you know, are they going to acknowledge that? I mean, he was the biggest the industry has ever had, and if it wasn't for him, they might not even have this industry right now. So, I don't know. I, I don't want to, I, I, part of me doesn't want to sit here and uh, rush anyone's life away to the point where we're talking about someone's death that, that hasn't happened. But, um, it just makes you think. You see another sad tribute. Uh, the WWE knows how to put on the tributes. Uh, it was a special moment. And, you know, thoughts and prayers to the family of Rowdy, Roddy Piper, who passed away way too soon. He was one of the greats. And uh, he was great because, really, this guy was one of the great personalities, and he was great on the mic. And you, in an industry in which you, you need to be great on the mic to be an all-time great. And he was great in the mic, and he was an all-time great. And the WWE put a nice uh, tribute on last night. If you didn't catch it, I'm sure you can go to their website uh, and and check it out. So we had that going last night, and uh, you know I, I did WEI after that, and we talked a lot of Deflategate, some Red Sox, and I wake up this morning and, and checking out the headlines, and I come across this golf story that I think could be overlooked. But if you're rooting for Jordan Spieth and you, you're trying to get – a vibe as to what the motivation might be or what the passion might be, given the fact that, all right, he's won two majors this year. He won the Masters. He won the U.S. Open. You got one more. You got the PGA Championship next week. What's the motivation like here? Well, if you are wondering that question, Jordan Spieth, on his Instagram, taking Instagram pictures of him teeing off 
at Whistling Straits, home of the PGA Championship. He's going for his third major this year. Uh, that's pretty cool. He's he's there. He's teeing off. He's practicing at the home of the PGA Championship this year. And also golf-related, the question is, will Rory McIlroy return? Well, uh, according to reports, McIlroy will test his injured ankle during a Saturday practice round at Whistling Straits, which again is the site of next week's PGA Championship. Uh, McElroy's agent, however, would not confirm the report. McElroy was injured playing soccer with his friends. It was a bad injury. He was in a walking boot the last time. Actually, he wasn't. He was in a boot or a cast, whatever it was, in crutches. The last time I did see a picture of him. Let, we'll see. I, I, I'm not going to completely rule him out. If he's going to test it, that does. That means we can't rule him out. But I would love to see him return, and I would love to see McElroy versus Spieth on Sunday. And I tell you what, as much as a McElroy guy that I had become, I have become the last couple of years. I'll be rooting for Spieth on that one. And Spieth, if you're wondering if Spieth is motivated to get that third major this year, well, go to his Instagram account, Jordan Spieth, pictures teeing off at the site of the PGA Championship next week. I'm here five days a week, dannypicard.com. Subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, really wherever podcasts are available. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Like me on Facebook, Instagram, every form of social media there is. I know how to delete a tweet. And Chris Mortensen does not. You know? Not to say that I'm out there deleting tweets all the time. I actually don't delete tweets ever. But uh, if there was ever a situation in which I really had to, given the fact that whether I, clarif- I had to clarify a tweet, or I would know how to delete the tweet. I think Mortensen does too. I think he's just lying to us. But anyways, I can't wait till that no longer is a storyline, but you know that we'll wake up tomorrow and I'll do this podcast and we will have a new Deflategate report of some kind. You know we will, and when we do, I'll react to it. Again, dannypicard.com, also on iTunes. Special thanks to Mike Giotti, Comcast Sportsnet New England. I'll be on Comcast Sportsnet New England tonight, Tuesday night, 10 o'clock, and it replays a couple times tonight and into the morning. Check me out then, but if not, I'll be back here tomorrow. See ya.